0: Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Monday, Memorial Day, and this is a time where we really want to take a moment to breathe. We know you're going through a lot, the pandemic is really making everyone nutty, but this day has larger meaning. And in honor of the Memorial Day weekend, we are re releasing an interview that we conducted with Admiral William McCraven. And if you missed any part of it, go check your feed, go on the website at jillonmoney.com because it's such a real inspiration to hear this man speak. In this, the third part of our three-part interview, I I should note that uh, McRaven, when we had interviewed him, was the chancellor of the University of Texas system. So it's not as if this just happened. This is a few years ago, so there's no pandemic talk in here. And he talks about what inspires him and what gives him some optimism as he looks forward. So here is the third and final installment of our podcast interview with Admiral William McRaven. Who inspired you in your career?
1: Oh, a lot of people uh, inspire me uh, in my career. But I will tell you, invariably, uh, probably not uh, who people think. The, The kids that inspired me were the the young soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines I, I met, the ones that had families uh, with kids, and you'd watch these uh, you know young soldiers uh, go overseas and come back, and then you know eight months later they're back overseas again, and they do it year after year after year, and the wife stays at home and takes care of the kids, uh, or the husband stays at home in some cases and takes care of the kids as the wife is forward. Um, I mean, these are the... The men and women that i think are truly inspiring and and they don't you know nobody writes books about them mm-hmm. uh they're, they're not going to have any monuments uh, built to them but they are you know the the american soldier and so you know they're what's really inspiring
0: what don't we civilians really understand about the military life what are some of the things we just don't get and we could never get
1: well i don't know that uh, you could never get it I, but you know the military life is uh, is a life of sacrifice you don't go into the military a lot of people say "Well, why'd you go in the military and people will say well to, to serve my country and and certainly people want to serve their country but most young men and women that go into the military i think initially there's this kind of sense of a challenge you know i want to make it through basic training or i want to make it through seal training or ranger training and then there's a little sense of adventure you go from a challenge to an adventure and now you know you're in the seals and in my case you know, you're traveling around the world you're jumping out of airplanes you're locking out of submarines you have this adventure and then at some point in time in your career it kind of becomes a profession but then after that it becomes a calling and, and that's really kind of when you hit your peak for me the calling really came after 9/11 what I saw with the young men and women that came in right after 9/11 was you know they jumped uh, you know my 26 years and, and within a short period of time they had gone from the challenge the adventure the profession to a calling and that calling required sacrifice um, and so I It's just hard to appreciate the sacrifice of these young soldiers day in and day out going on combat missions, uh, year after year deploying, uh, every couple of years moving uh, their family from one geographic location to the next, and now the kids have got to make uh, new friends in school. Um, I mean, these are the sacrifices, but I will tell you, you know, uh, almost any soldier you talk to... Will tell you that uh, they are happy uh, to sacrifice that. Uh, that uh, they love the job they're doing. Uh, they're proud to serve this nation, and uh, and so we're happy to bear that uh, bear that burden and and bear that sacrifice.
0: You talk about rising to the occasion, and I feel like, you know, you're you're in this dangerous place, and you're trained in a certain way. You are going to rise to the occasion, but how do civilians rise to the occasion in your lives? How do you see that playing out?
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes I think it's just something deep, deep inside that comes up when a dark moment occurs. I don't know that you can plan for it. I don't know that you can prepare for it. I don't know that even the the soldiers I've met fully prepare for it. You know, when you lose a loved one, I don't care whether you lose them on the battlefield, or you lose them in a car accident, or they die of cancer. Um, you know, you find out really who you are in those dark moments, and I think we all have it inside us. and And the point of the book is, you know, you don't have to be a, a superhero to rise to the occasion, um, but you know, dig deep; it, it's in there. Um, and the people around you are going to need you to rise to that occasion when bad things happen. Uh, so, you know, th- this is more of um, of of a hope that people that read the book will realize that they have it within themselves. Uh, to be this person when difficult things happen.
0: In your career, as you look back, were you able to identify people who you said, that guy, that woman, that's a leader?
1: Absolutely. Easily? Pretty easily.
0: And what are some of those attributes that would make you poised to be a leader?
1: Yeah, they are generally people persons. You know, they they understand how to build a team, as we, we talked about. Uh, they recognize that it's not about them. They are kind of a, a servant leader. I mean, I think the great leaders are servant leaders. Um, you know, I, I love this saying from, from Pope Francis that, you know, uh, a shepherd should smell like his sheep. And I, I think, you know, we have learned that in the military that great leaders are the ones that are out with the troops. And I don't care whether you're a non-commissioned officer, uh, you know, to be a great leader, You've got to be out. You've got to suffer the hardships. You have to. You have to lead from the front, as we say. Sometimes leading from the front is literally jumping out of the airplane first. Sometimes leading from the front is being the last in the chow line to get chow. Um, but leading from the front means setting the example and, and and doing the difficult things. You don't have to be the best at everything. In fact, great leaders are rarely the best at everything. But they've got to respect the people that work for them. Uh, they've got to. They've got to be able to build the team around them. And, and you can see that pretty quickly. I mean, there are some folks that are a little too full of themselves, that uh, think they always have the right plan, uh, that they're the smartest man or woman in the room. Uh, those people you have to be a little bit careful of. Now, every once in a while they turn out to be great leaders as well, but I tell you more times than not, it's that man or woman who knows how to build a team, who is the servant leader, who respects the people that work for them, uh, and who sets the example and does things that are moral, legal, and ethical.
0: When you look at, say, corporate America now, and you maybe read stories in the papers about this CEO does this or right. this malfeasance of that, uh, I, I can only imagine that somebody like you, a true leader who's selfless in many ways, uh, you know that that really must pain you in some ways to, to to read stories or hear things like
1: that. Well, you know, we're not perfect in the military, but I think as an organization, we work hard to instill the right values in people. And, and I think most of uh, the men and women I've worked uh, with in the military adhere to those values. But, you know, again, I have one litmus test for every decision we make. And as I said, you have to do things that are moral, legal, and ethical. And if your decision, you know, you know passes that litmus test, then it's probably a good decision. And most leaders know when things aren't moral, legal, or ethical. It's not always easy to be good, though. Um, you know the circumstances that swirl around you sometimes. we not nobody's perfect, uh, and again, we're going to make mistakes. And sometimes, as hard as you try to be moral, legal, and ethical, it doesn't work out. And you, you know, you're. We talk about your integrity being the most important thing, but but frankly, you're the only one that can lose your integrity, and it happens sometimes. Um, again, that's that's a time when you just have to say, "Look, I made a mistake. Uh, I'm I'm going to figure out how to do better next time, and and move on."
0: Now that you are out of the military and. Like... In academia, which is a whole nother universe, I love it. How has the transition been?
1: Transition's been great. Uh, you know, I'm used to running a large organization. So, in my role as the chancellor of the University of Texas System, I'm I'm the CEO over these 14 institutions. And uh, we were talking before the beginning of the broadcast about uh, UT Austin, but of course that that is our flagship, but it is hardly the only institution. We have eight academic institutions, and then then six uh, health related institutions, and we've got six medical schools. Uh, but I got to tell you, the the best thing about the job is looking at these you know first in family to go to college. Uh, we have a large Hispanic population in Texas and uh, and down at uh, UT Rio Grande Valley and, and University of Texas El Paso and UT San Antonio. You see these kids that are the first in their family ever to go to school And you realize they have just changed the entire trajectory of their family forever. Because, you know, what statistics show is, if you go to college, chances are very high your kids are going to go to college and their kids are going to go to college. And everything about going to college, you know, frankly, makes you a better person. Uh, I mean, statistically speaking, you know, not only do you make more money, but you're less likely to be racist and bigoted and you're, you're going to be healthier. I mean, everything about spending time on a college campus is actually good for human beings.
0: Okay, that's it for the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this. I just think this guy is so amazing. Go buy his book, Make Your Bed. Maybe you've got a graduate in the house. This is a perfect book for that graduate. So go get that. Remember, it's our job to try to help lift you up during these times. If you've got a financial question, send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. You can always go to the website, jillonmoney.com. All of our stuff is right there. And while you're there, if you have a question and you need it to reach out, you can always hit the contact button. Remember, as you come through the end of this long weekend, which may not seem very different from your weekday these days, wash your hands. Put that mask on, maintain your social distance and do something nice for somebody else. Reach out to somebody that you haven't spoken to. Check in, be in touch. Don't let people go through this alone. We're in this together. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.